All right. Hello, everybody. We're at Pesachim Daf Samech Tet. This entire Daf is going to be an explanation, explication of the dialogue uh, between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva that was mentioned in the Mishnah. I think we should go back to the Mishnah and review it because um, each step of the argument has to be fresh in our minds so that we can appreciate everything that the Talmud is going to explain about it. Uh, the Talmud is going to focus on three p- parts of the discussion. One, the Kalva Chomer from Yom Tov. Second, a comparison about activities before and after you do Shechita. Why is one allowed and one not allowed? And then Rabbi Eliezer's view regarding the sprinkling on Shabbat. What is, what is actually is his view? And that'll be the major part of the discussion. So let's uh, return to the Mishnah. Uh, in which we saw that according to Tanakama, any of the preparation, uh, preparatory activities that could have done bef- been done before Shabbat, you cannot do on Shabbat. You have to, you can do Shechita because Shechita you couldn't have done before Shabbat and anything after like the Haktarat Chalabim, also you can do on Shabbat. However, Rabbi Eliezer says, anything that is required for the preparation of the Pesach can be done on Shabbat itself, including bringing it from outside the Tuchum. Okay, that's Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. Now let's see the dialogue. Amar Rabbi Eliezer, Ba'alo din hu, Ma'im shechita shimishu melacha, Dochat ha-Shabbat, Elu shemeshim shivut lo yitchot ha-Shabbat. So he says, Shechita is a misum midoraita, and it overrides Shabbat. So other things that are only a misum shivut, it's a lower prohibition. So for sure, you should be able to do those on Shabbat. Rabbi Yeshua counters that, look at Yom Tov as a comparison, because on Yom Tov, you're allowed to do shechita, in order, if you want to eat a meal, um, and yet you cannot bring the korban from outside. You cannot do a shivut. So just because you can do a melacha doraita doesn't mean that that you are allowed to do a melacha of shivut and violate jum tov. So too on Shabbat. So Rabbi Yeshua is going to uh, uh, reject Rabbi Eliezer based on this kavachomer. But Rabbi Akiva, um, sorry, Rabbi Eliezer counters. Wait a second, that's not the same. You can't compare the shoot and mitzvah. Uh, regarding Yom Tov, that's only optional if you want to eat a meal or if you don't want to eat a meal. And so that's why you cannot violate the Shavuot beforehand and bring the animal in. But on Pesach of Shabbat, there it's a mitzvah. So there's more of a reason to violate the to violate Shabbat. We mentioned yesterday that according to Rabbi Yoshua, it actually is a mitzvah to, to eat a meal on Yom Tov. So for, for Rabbi Yoshua, he wouldn't say that there's any difference uh, between this. We're going to see the Bible is going to explain how you can reject Rabbi Eliezer, even if you assume that Yom Tov is a reshut, uh, eating, uh, having a festive meal on, on Yom Tov. Still, we can reject it. Okay, Rabbi Akiva came back. Now, Rabbi Yoshua kind of uh, is quiet. He, his argument ends, but Rabbi Akiva comes and tag, tag teams to respond. And he says, how about hazaah, right? Sprinkling the paraduma on someone who's tameh in order so that they become, become, become tahor. And then at nightfall, they'd be able to eat the korban Pesach. That's a mitzvah. And yet you can't do that. Out, you cannot do that out on Shabbat. That's the 14th of Nisan. So, so don't be surprised at these other things, the preparations for korban Pesach, on Shabbat that you cannot do them, right? So we don't allow any uh, this uh, other shivut like hazaah. That's also a shivut. We don't do it, even though you need it in order to be uh, eligible for Korban Pesach. 
So the Beeliezer says, Alanidan, oh, you know what? I regard, I would argue with that with, with you on that point as well, right? Just like Shechita is Melacha and is Toche Shabbat, Hazaah, which is only a Shavuot, all the more so you can do it on Shabbat. I actually argue on that very halacha. I think both are allowed. Good. So now taking this Kavachomer, Rabbi Akiva says something that's uh, kind of bold because it's clear Rabbi Akiva doesn't think that this is true himself. He's just uh, saying an argument ad absurdum. He says, if you're going to really make that Kavachomer, you can do it the other way around. Achiluf, just like Hazaa, which is only a Shavuot and does not override Shabbat, it's prohibited. So if I reply your, apply your Kavachomer, I can come to an absurd conclusion that Shechita, is melacha, and therefore you cannot do shechita on Shabbat. That was the opinion of B'nai B'tera, who didn't want to do it, and of the Dead Sea sect. So this is like really out there uh, to challenge to challenge Rabbi Eliezer's Kavachomet arc logic um, by showing it can be reversed and come to something absurd. And Rabbi Eliezer says, that's absurd. It goes against the Torah itself that says, B'mo'ado. So, right, forget about it. I'm not going to accept the way your your argument that uh, uh, the other way around, I'm going to say that both are permitted shechita and hazaa, and therefore any other shivut also I can do on Shabbat. Anything that's for a mitzvah I can do on Shabbat, even though I could have done it before. Um, Rabbi Akiva responds to that. Wait, for Korban Pesach we have an explicit word moed. For the others you don't have an explicit word. And so we conclude with Rabbi Akiva, who has a general rule that says anything you could have done before, you may not do on Shabbat. But Shechita, which you cannot have done before, has to be done on the 14th in the afternoon. And if that's Shabbat, then that overrides Shabbat. All right, that was all the the Mishnah. And now the Gemara will go into it um, uh, each step at a time. Okay, we begin the Gemara here. I'm sorry, I'm not in the right place. Here, um, Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yoshua himself thinks that eating a festive meal and doing shechita on Yom Tov is a mitzvah. And so that's why he says it would be a good comparison, just like you cannot do the preparation on uh, for shechita on Yom Tov, you cannot do the preparation, bring the animal there on, for, for Pesach either. But now the point is, even according to the Be'eliezer, who says that you're eating a festive meal on Yom Tov is the shoot, and so if the animal's not nearby, you don't have to bring it, I could still apply a kavachomer to prove that it's not the same, the, to, to prove that, that, uh, that it's equivalent, and you cannot do uh, preparations for Yom Tov or for Pesach on Shabbat, as follows. Yom Tov which is obviously much more lenient because you're allowed to do shechita even for not a mitzvah, just because you feel like eating a meal, according to the Be'eliezer, who says you don't have to eat a festive meal. And yet you're allowed to violate Yom Tov. And so Yom Tov is easy to violate, it's more lenient. And yet you cannot do the preparation on Yom Tov. So Shabbat, which is more stringent, because on Shabbat, you're only allowed to violate Shabbat for korban, that is a mitzvah that you have to bring. And, and uh, therefore, all the more so, 
um, ish, that you may not, since Shabbat is more stringent, all the more so you would not be able to uh, violate Shabbat for a sh- only a Shavuot. If you can't do a Shavuot on Yom Tov, which is more lenient, certainly you can't do it on Shabbat, which is more strict. So that's a way that even in according to the Be'eliezer's refutation, uh, Rabbi um, Yoshua could have uh, proved this Kabbalah Okay, Okay, um, but how about Rabbi Eliezer? How would he respond to that? He could say, Shavuot Mitzvah Adif Le. He could say, nevertheless, on Shabbat, we're doing preparation for a mitzvah. So that is more needed than on Yom Tov, in which you don't have to actually have a meal. So there is, in fact, more reason to uh, permitted on Shabbat, even, even though Shabbat is in general more stringent. Okay, so we leave that as is, and uh, now we go to the to the next uh, the next part, which um, uh, in the outline as uh, comparing before and after slaughter. This is very interesting. Tanya, Amad Umali im This is a braita. The the braita is uh, bringing in more arguments that Abi and. The Rabbi Akiva uh, said to each other, the Mishnah, it's evident that the Mishnah um, is quoting only part of them, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a sampling, but there's more arguments that went back and forth. So Rabbi Eliezer here has an argument why it should be allowed to do the preparatory actions. says, you agree that, for example, you can burn the fats of the animal on Shabbat. So if things that are uh, uh, um, side, uh, uh, side points to the mitzvah, um, and after you do shechita, you're allowed to do them on Shabbat, right? Because they're part of the mitzvah. So if you can do things afterwards that are part of the, are part of, uh, part of the mitzvah, then so too you should be allowed to do the preparatory mitzvot before shechita. What's the difference between after and before? Okay, it's really quite a challenge. Yesterday we said that um, you can burn the fast to show how beloved a mitzvah is in its time. Yeah, but you didn't really have to do it on Shabbat. You could have burned the fast after Shabbat. So, you know, Rebbe Akiva, you should apply the same thing. Something that you could do before Shabbat or after Shabbat, you shouldn't be able to do it on Shabbat. So what's the difference between before and after? He says, why? What, what reason do I have to, uh, to reject this comparison? I have a good reason. Once you do Shechita, then... Uh, you violated Shabbat for to do Shechita. From that point on, since I already began the process and I already did the Shechita, so now Shabbat is is uh, is overridden. Once Shabbat is overridden, I could do all the other things I need to do. But that's not the same as before Shechita. The things I did before, I didn't do Shechita yet. In other words, for him, Shechita is the main thing that must be done on the 14th for sure. Once you do Shechita and Shabbat is overridden, then I can follow through with whatever else I would normally do with the with the Korban to make it a valid sacrifice. But the things beforehand, Shechita didn't come and break Shabbat yet. Since Shabbat is not yet broken, I cannot do that. Um, kind of like as an analogy, you know, if someone uh, has to violate Shabbat for a sick person, Right. So once you're doing that, you know, like uh, yeah, and you have to drive someone to the hospital. Right. Are you going to say, you know, don't 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 use the don't use the brake so that you don't use more gas. 
right? And just, you know, go through, uh, you know, drive dangerously. You wouldn't say that. Once you're driving, you know, you can drive and use gas, whatever you need. You know, like once you violated, then you're going to uh, um, act in a normal way. But before you're allowed to do that, you can't, you know, pre, uh, preempt before you actually had permission to violate Shabbat. Okay, um, that's one answer. A second answer. Another reason is, what if you do shechita, and then it turns out that this animal was, uh, was taref, problem with the animal. And so now you did all that preparation, retroactively you'll find that you violated Shabbat, right? For no reason, because it's not actually a korban Pesach. That's different from after. Once I do shechita and see it's a kosher shechita, then all the things I do after, I know for sure are permitted to follow through with the mitzvah. The things done before are still in doubt. They're, they're still in abeyance and they may turn out to not be allowed. Therefore, don't do anything beforehand. Okay, good. So those are the two answers. Rabbi Eliezer could have a good answer to the response to the second one. If you're afraid that the shechita, the animal won't be kosher, so then say, don't do shechita at all. Because yeah, everyone agrees you're allowed to do shechita if it's going to be a valid korban Pesach. But if it turns out to be an invalid korban, now you did shechita for no reason. So according to your logic, don't do any shechita at all. So that logic really doesn't make sense. Okay, since the Eliezer has a good argument against the second one, you know what? We should switch the order of these two. It must be that not the is not yet another matter, like two different answers that are both good, but he must have said the second one first. And then Rabbi Eliezer rejected it. And then he said, okay, fine, I agree with you, but I have another answer. And then he gave the first answer and the first answer would stand. All right, very good. So that uh, is the uh, part B of our outline. And now we're gonna get to the longer discussion, which is this line about the, the sprinkling on Shabbat um, in which Rabbi Akiva uh, said to the Bieliezer, hey, according to your Kava Chomer, I could argue the other way around. And just like sprinkling is not allowed on Shabbat, so too you can't even bring Korban Pesach on Shabbat at all, right? By Kava Chomer. If you can't do sprinkling, that's only Shavuot, then certainly you cannot do Shechita, which is the Oraita. Okay. Um, now, uh, this uh, a fascinating Gemara here, Tanya, Amalo Rabbi Eliezer, Akiba, Bishchita Heshabtani, Bishchita Tehem Mitato. Unbelievable. He says, Akiba, you, are you challenging me based on an argument regarding the slaughter of the animal? And you're giving me this ad absurdum argument that according to you, Rabbi Eliezer, even slaughter wouldn't be allowed because you, gay, you, you, you uh, challenged me with such an insolent argument. Your end, your death will be through Shechita. Right? You're going to die an untimely death. Okay, that's a kind of unimaginable. Turns out to come true. Right? Rabbi Akiba is killed by the Romans. Um, as, a, as a martyr, um, right? But so uh, quite amazing that Rabbi Eliezer took, takes such offense to, to Rabbi Akiba's strong question, right? Strong question. But I mean, this is always a, uh, a, a danger in, uh, in, in uh, studying with a great sage like Rabbi Eliezer. On the one hand, you know, you want to be able to ask a question, but, you know, if you go a little too far and ask it in a way that is, uh, that is insulting, disrespectful, then you better be, you better watch out. 
Okay, uh, so quite an astonishing statement there. Amar lo rabbi, al tachpireni bishat hadin, kach mekubelani memecha, hazaa shivuti vena dochat hashabbat. So Rabbi Akiva responds and says, Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer, do not contradict me when we're discussing this Kalvachomer, because I have a tradition from you that you are, uh, that Hazaah is a Shavut, but it does not, even though Hazaah is only a Shavut, it does not override Shabbat. You're the one that taught me yourself that you may not do Hazaah on Shabbat. So you see, it looks like Rabbi Eliezer must have changed his mind or forgot what he said, because originally Rabbi Akiva heard Rabbi Eliezer teach that you do not do Hazaan Shabbat. And now all of a sudden, now Mishnah, Rabbi Eliezer says, why not? Yeah, you could do Hazaan Shabbat. And then he learns the Kavachomer from, right, that you can do Hazaan and you could do the Shechita. And so Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva was simply responding based on something that he knew Rabbi Eliezer taught before that was different. Because Bielia says, you're not allowed to do Hazan Shabbat. And then he says, so therefore, according to your logic, you should not be able to do um, Shechita either. Okay, so that's all the Baraita. And Bakiva seems to have a good answer. So we wonder about the Baraita. If see, well, we can trust that Rabbi Akiva heard it from Rabbi Eliezer. So since Rabbi Eliezer once taught that you may not do the sprinkling on Shabbat, why did he change his mind in our Mishnah and now say that you may do sprinkling on Shabbat? We're going to have two answers to this. One is Ula and one's Rabbah. Amar Ula, Rabbi Eliezer ki agmere haza'a detruma agmere. Detruma gufa la dachya Shabbat. This is actually Rabbi Akiva misunderstood, misheard, misquoted. Rabbi Eliezer originally simply said that if someone wants to get the sprinkling of the peraduma on Shabbat so that he can eat terumah, no good. You can't override Shabbat um, in order to become pure so that you can eat terumah because you don't have to eat terumah on Shabbat. You can wait till Sunday. And so there's no need to override Shabbat in order to eat terumah. That's what he, that's what Abiy Eliezer said when he mentioned that Hazaah does not override Shabbat. But regarding Pesach, no, Pesach is a misfah. You have to do it that day. In that case, it would override. Um, and so maybe Rabbi Akiba misheard. Um, so, okay. So that would explain, he didn't actually change his mind. It was a different case. Now, Rabbi points out, Rabbi Akiba name, In fact, maybe Rabbi Akiba did not mishear. Rabbi Akiba himself was challenging Rabbi uh, Eliezer from a case of Hazaah all year round, regarding like, like with Tirumah. Shehi mitzvah, vehi mishum shivut. It is a mitzvah to eat Tirumah, and uh, doing sprinkling is only a shivut. And so that's his point. Here's something that would, is only a shivut. It would be a mitzvah to do it, although it doesn't have to be that day. And yet you, Rabbi Eliezer, think, say it does not override Shabbat. So to any other shivut, that in fact was his question. Rabbi Eliezer misunderstood Rabbi Akiva's intention. And he thought that Rabbi Akiva was trying to challenge him regarding Pesach. And that's why he felt that it was so insolent that now you're taking something that I never said, right? And, uh, and applying something I said to something I didn't say regarding Pesach. And now you're making this false kavachomer, right? And so that was, that's why he got so annoyed at Rabbi Akiva. All right. But maybe it was just a simple misunderstanding of what case we were talking about. Fine. That's Ula's explanation 
of, um, of, of Rabbi Eliezer, he did in fact change his mind. There was a miscommunication about which case they were talking about uh, re- regarding Hazat for Tiruma or Hazat in order to be, to be able to eat Korban Pesach. Okay, now we get the second explanation. Metiv Rabah. Rabah has a problem with Ula. Heshib Rabbi Akiva Amar Hazat Timeh Met Tochiach. We have a Braita, right? And in this Braita, it's, it explains further what Rabbi Akiva said. And here he says, the Hazaah of Tamemet will prove Shachal Shivi Shelolyot Beshabat Ubedib Shapesach Shimitzbavi Mishum Shivut Venadochat Shabbat. Regarding someone who was Tamemet and the seventh day when of his purification process is on Shabbat, which is also at a Pesach, and in that case it was Bi Mitzvah, so that he can have Ikorban Pesach, and it's only a problem of Shivut to do the sprinkling in the first place, and yet. Um, you do not uh, violate Shabbat. Everyone, you agree, right? That you would not violate Shabbat. So it's clear over here that Rabbi Akiva meant, in fact, the, the, the uh, sprinkling for Korban Pesach and not the sprinkling for Tirumah. So since we have a Braita speci- specifically against Ula's interpretation, so we have to reject that interpretation. And instead, Rabbi is going to offer another one. In fact, when Rabbi Akiva learned from Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer had in fact said that doing haza'ah for Korban Pesach is prohibited, that you don't override Shabbat. So in fact, if in fact Rabbi Eliezer had taught that to Rabbi Akiva, how come now Rabbi Eliezer is denying and, is, and saying that you can override uh, Shabbat to do haza'ah? Rabbi Eliezer must have forgotten his original teaching. And Rabbi Akiva simply wants to remind Rabbi Eliezer that he had taught the originally that Hazaah for Korban Pesach does not override Shabbat. So why did he say that explicitly? Why did he say, excuse me, Rabbi Eliezer, uh, you're contradicting yourself, right? Uh, 20 years ago, you told me you told me it's not allowed. Sabar Rabbi Akiva said, it's not nice to contradict my master. I want to say it to him in an indirect way. How can I say it in an indirect way? By presenting a kavachomer with that assumption. So he says, hey, there's a kavachomer. Let's assume that Rabbi El, that Hazaa is prohibited and it's only a shivut. Then you would come to a conclusion that with your kavachomer, that uh, even shechita is also not allowed because that would be the oraita. And he was hoping that Rabbi Eliezer would recognize, oh, that's a, that's a ridiculous kavachomer. Let me go back to the, the presumption. Oh, yeah, I remember. Actually, Hazah is, is prohibited. Um, and so that was Rabbi Akiva's hope in presenting it that way. He was actually trying to be respectful, but it didn't come across that way. And, and it seemed to Rabbi Eliezer that Rabbi Akiva was being, uh, was being uh, disrespectful in presenting this absurd argument. Okay, anyway, that would explain the, uh, not that he changed his mind, but rather he had forgotten what he originally, uh, he had forgotten what he originally taught. Okay, good. Um, now that we got to that, let's try to explain the halacha itself. Why, for what reason can we not sprinkle on Shabbat? Like, what's the problem? You're just taking some water, sprinkling it on someone. Like, what, what is it? Right, I'm just moving it around. I'm moving the liquid. I'm taking it and sprinkling it on the person. So, Right, 
Um, so Shabbat should should be should be overridden because that way I can do Korban Pesach. What's the what's the problem? The same sage with that, gave that answer says, it's actually a gezerah. It really would be allowed, but the rabbis are afraid that, let's say, where's that paraduma water? Oh, oh, it's in someone's house outside outside the wall. Okay, now you're going to go and carry it um, uh, and, 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 and carry it so that uh, you can sprinkle it, sprinkle it in the Beit HaMikdash. And that wouldn't be allowed. Now you're violating carrying that Doraita. So that's why the rabbi made a gezera. Don't do any sprinkling on um, on Shabbat. Uh, okay, fine. The rabbi actually is one that says this regarding other mitzvot as well. Like, how come you can't do uh, lulav on Shabbat or Megillah, Right? We say the same thing. You might have forgotten it outside, and you're going to carry it uh, for amot. Okay. I don't know if the rabbi said in all the in all, every application, or maybe he said it in one of them, and uh, we apply it to the others as well. But and that would explain in general why the problem of hazaa. But it doesn't explain it for the So what? Even if it was in a different house outside outside the walls and in the Shutarabim, and you'd have to go and carry it. So what? He says that any preparation for a mitzvah that has to be done on Shabbat, you can violate even a Doraita. For example, circumcision on Shabbat, right? Um, even if you didn't bring the knife from before Shabbat, you're allowed to go and carry the knife through the Shudashut HaRabim and to the baby in order to perform Berit Milah. So the Be'aliyazah wouldn't have a problem with that, with that. There's no reason for him to make that Gezerah. So why, in fact, I mean, we're accepting now what Abbas said, that Be'aliyazah's original opinion, his actual teaching is that's prohibited to do Azah. We're wondering why. It's giving a fundamental distinction that we're going to discuss further. He says, when are you allowed to violate Shabbat, even a Doraita, as a preparation for a mitzvah? That's when the person who needs to perform the mitzvah is under the obligation to do it. For example, uh, a baby who, who needs a brit milah on the eighth day. So you got to go get the, the only problem is we don't have the knife around, so go and get it. But in this case, the, this person is Tameh, right? Um, and that's why he cannot do Karban Pesach. So what do you want to do? You want to go and sprinkle him so he could become Tahor. But right now in this state, he, is, he has a legitimate excuse, right? He doesn't have to bring Karban Pesach. He's patur from Karban Pesach because he's Tameh. The Torah said, anyone who's Tameh on the 14th of Nisan, let him wait till a month later. So he has a he has a get out of jail free, he has a get out of Pesach free. So therefore, since he's not obligated to do it, we don't have to violate Shabbat to bring him into the category of being obligated, right? Um, uh, uh, because uh, in fact, you cannot violate Shabbat for that reason, right? There is nobody here. There's a, there's a person who's Tamei Lamet. He's not obligated, so I, don't, I can't I can't violate Shabbat to make him obligated. Okay, it's different from the baby who is obligated to get a Brit Milah. And therefore, I have to violate Shabbat in order to be able to do that. Okay, that's a really fundamental answer. Now we're gonna we're gonna question how this applies and when this applies. Uh, first, a um, a a, um, a consequence of this. This is according to this distinction that we just said here. If you have a baby who is healthy, 
um, uh, yet, in order to make sure that he will stay healthy, even though you're doing the Brit Milah, he needs to be bathed in warm water. Now, you should warm the water from before Shabbat, keep it warm, and then use it on Shabbat. Let's say you didn't warm it up before Shabbat. Are you allowed to warm it up, violate Shabbat and warm it up on Shabbat? So if it's a healthy child who is obligated to get the Brit Milah, then yes, you are allowed to do that to make sure that he will uh, remain healthy. But if it's a sick child, meaning he's so sick that he cannot get a Brit Milah, right, um, in his current state, we cannot warm water for him to make him healthy so that we can do Brit Milah for the same reason. While he's sick, he's not obligated to Brit Milah. So we cannot violate Shabbat because there's nobody here that's obligated to do Brit Milah. We can't violate Shabbat in order to make him obligated. Only if it's a healthy child who is obligated to do Brit Milah, we can, but we can violate Shabbat so that we can go through with the procedure. Okay, so that's Rabbah is interesting. However, Rabbah, Rabbah is the third generation. He's the teacher of Rabbah with an Aleph. Um, uh, so the student disagrees. Hold on, if he's healthy, though, why does he need the warm water? So what's the point? Really, all babies are considered uh, sick regarding Milah. Whether he's sick now or he's going to be sick if you do the Brit Milah, it's the same thing. If you know for sure that the child will, will get sick by doing Brit Milah, then you can't do it. He's, then he's patur also. Echad katan bari echad katan Rather, if you did warm up the water before Shabbat, then go ahead and use it. That's the normal case. If you didn't warm up water from before Shabbat, then no matter what state the baby's in, whether he's currently healthy or currently sick, we cannot violate Shabbat and warm the water for him because either baby is not fit for the mitzvah. They are both sick or potentially will get sick if you do it, and therefore, they are both piturim from doing berit uh, milah, and you can't violate Shabbat in order to make bring someone into the category of, of um, having to be obligated. Okay, so that's why Rabbah rejects, rejects Rabbah. All right, that was one question. Now, another student of Rabbah, which is Abaye, is going to ask a further uh, complex question uh, against this categorization. And this is from an Arel. Adel, someone who's not circumcised, talking about an adult who just never got circumcision for whatever reason, um, is not allowed to bring korban Pesach, right? Adel shelomal anush karet. So uh, an adult who can get circumcision and doesn't, and then he he neglects korban Pesach, right? He can't do korban Pesach properly, gets a punishment of karet. That's Eliezer's opinion. Now the question is why, right? Isn't Adel out of the category? And yet here is a person who is unfit. He's not in the category of someone who can bring Korban Pesach. And he can, so we can't do Brit Milah on the 14th to violate right, Shabbat. Let's say for the 14th of Shabbat, he wouldn't be able to violate it. And so um, he should be not in the category at all, and therefore not adush karet. The fact that we say he does get karet means that the obligation is incumbent upon him. Uh, so that's that's the question, right? Because so this uh, this is an exception to the general rule that we said before that someone who is not obligated or would not be or would not be chayav and would not be able to violate Shabbat. This person is chayav. 
Okay, to answer this, Amaraba, Kasabar Bieli Aizer, and Shohatim Vizorkin, Al Teme Sheres, Vekosh Ilu Beahid Nidhe, Besibur Abdi Betuma, Vehomilta de Ita Basibur, Ita Beahid, Vehomilta de Leta Besibur, Leta Beahid. So the Ba is constructing this uh, elaborate answer that depends on a couple of assumptions. One is that we have to assume that according to the Bieliezer, someone who's Tame Sheretz, Someone who's Tamei Sheretz, he can uh, go to Mikveh, wait till night, and he'd be pure. Um, let's say he wants to offer Korban Pesach through a Shaliach. So I'm not going to touch it because I can't, but I'll send it with someone else. You go and do it, and then by nighttime I'll be, uh, I'll be kosher, and, I, and, then, uh, and then I can eat it. No, you don't do that. You cannot do Shechita or, or Zedika for someone who is Tamei Sheretz, because at this current state, he's Tamei, and therefore not under the obligation. Okay, let's assume that Abi Eliezer says that. And furthermore, let's assume that anything that's uh, for an individual uh, would, would cannot do, so too, and as a community, uh, they cannot, they would, uh, would, would be pushed off, so, so too for a community would be pushed off, and anything that can be done with the community, also an individual can do. Okay, what do we mean by this? It's much easier to explain with the examples that it brings. Let's say the whole community are uncircumcised. How could this happen? It did happen, right? In the, the generation of Yitziat Mitzrayim, um, the, the second generation of, of, of Yehoshua, right? When they kind of came time for Pesach, they were all Adelim because they didn't get circumcised in the desert. So what, 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 was the, uh, what was the law? They didn't say, okay, where you can all do it since, since the majority is uncircumcised, you can all do it. No, they said everybody has to go now and get circumcision immediately. And then you could do Quran Pesach. So you see that you cannot, when a Sibur is uncircumcised, they all nevertheless have to do circumcision. So, so too, if it's individual, one person that is Adel, he would have to do Brit um, Mila himself to, in order to be, to be able to have to do Quran Pesach. And if he doesn't get, get Brimila and he makes a Korban Pesach, he would get Karet. Okay, so that would be the case where the, 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 the communal obligation is the same as the, as the individual obligation, and they have to. And the opposite is, let's say, impurity. Let's say the whole community is impure, or most of them. And in that case, we don't say you have to go and get and sprinkle the sprinkle them to make them impure. No, we say since most people are impure, we can perform the Quran Pesach even in a state of impurity. In such a case, then in such a case, an individual who is Tameh does not have to bring the Quran Pesach, right? He would wait till the wait, wait till the to the next. And therefore, sprinkling does not override Shabbat, right? Because He's patur, he's not in the category of someone who has to bring korban pesach. Um, okay, so by with this distinction, you see now he's able to uh, answer that question. The difference between Adel and Tameh is that in Adel, just like in the, when everyone is Adel, he cannot do it. So to an individual Adel, cannot do, he's not in the category at all. He's, he's, um, he's, he's within the category, he has to do it, right? He has to get B'rit Milah and do it. So the obligation of Korban Pesach does apply to an Arel, 
whereas it does not apply to someone who is Tameh, um, just like it would not apply to a Sibur who's Tameh, because they can do, they can do Korban Pesach. Um, okay, so that's his first argument. Now we're going to ask a couple of questions on this equivalence of individual and community. And community. I have an example of something that applies to, um, that does not apply to a community, that does apply to an individual, which is Pesach Shani. If one person is far away or is Tameh, then they get to do it. Uh, they could do a makeup on Pesach Shani, but the, the whole community never gets pushed off to Pesach Shani. So that's see that your, your rule doesn't, doesn't work. He says, no, you can't. That's not a good comparison. When the whole community is Tameh, then they actually do the first one. So why would they have to do Pesach Shani? They did Pesach Rishon because they're all, they're all Tameh. So therefore, that, that's, not a, that's not a good comparison. That doesn't, under, that doesn't break, my compara- break my rule. Okay, second one um, is more, more difficult. Metibe, so Torah says that who can do Pesach Sheni? Someone who was Tameh or they were far away. So what if they weren't? What if they were Tahor and they didn't do Korban Pesach? That person gets Karet. What if they were close by and they, so they had no excuse and they don't do Korban Pesach? They get Karet. So I know those two are not good excuses. What about the rest? How do I know that these also are not good excuses and you would get Karet? For example, Arel. So Arel who doesn't do it, he can't say, I have an excuse. I was, uh, I didn't have Brit Milah. I couldn't do it. No, you got to go to Milah and then become Tameh. And also, Tameh Sheretz. Ushar kola Tameh minayin. Here's, here's, here's going to be the problem. This Tameh Sheretz is not a good excuse, even though it's talking about Tum'ah. And other Tameh'in, they can't say, well, we couldn't do it. Rather, they say, right, they get Tameh. We know that from the word Ha'ish. That's going to include all these other people also. So that's the Braita. We're going to analyze it. Since you know we're looking for cases that would be karet, and it goes and finds this case of tamesheretz. Therefore, it must be that you may not do shechita for tamunus tamesheretz. So then, why would he include it if you could have? He could have actually brought it anyway. It's the same as being tahor, so we would she uh, would we wouldn't have to include it as a separate as a separate category. Rather, it seems that this person cannot he cannot be uh, he cannot do he cannot do pesach, and yet he is chayav, which means we should actually violate Shabbat to sprinkle him so that he can do it, and even though. A sibur, that's all tameh, that would not apply because they could just do it. Yet an individual is not exempt, as we said before, but has to has to do it. So this is a challenge to that equivalence principle that he said before. And therefore, that cannot be the uh, the, the, the the answer to the difference between arel and tameh. Ela marava kasavar bi eliezer shochatin vezorkin al tameh sheretz. Rather, we're gonna, Rava is gonna reject the, one of the presumptions before and say that someone who's Tameh Sheretz, in fact, you can, he can send someone, do Shechita and do Zirika for me, even though I'm Tameh right now. Um, and, uh, that's, and that's okay. Behu adin Also Tameh Met can send someone to do it for him. Haza'a lemai, 
Now, why would he also need to get sprinkled? Only to eat it. But you don't have to, you don't have to eat the Korban Pesach in order for it to fulfill your obligation. As long as someone eats some part of it with that, that's within the group, even if you don't eat it, it's okay. And that's the reason why someone who's Tameh, uh, any kind of Tum'ah, does not get sprinkled because actually he can fulfill his, his mitzvah of Korban Pesach while being Tameh by sending it with someone else. Um, and that could explain uh, the distinction uh, for, uh, according to the be Eliezer. Okay, hold on, if you can do Korban Pesach and do Shecheta for people who are Tameh and can't eat it, right? We just said that in the Mishnah way before, right? Just said that you cannot um, uh, sacrifice the Korban for people who may not eat it. They have to be eligible to eat it. And these people are Tameh, not eligible. No, was talking about people who are sick or old and they physically cannot eat a kezayit. But these people, potentially, they just have to, they can eat. They physically can eat. They're just not, they're just tameh. So they have to fix that. But otherwise, they would be allowed to eat it. So therefore, even to do korban pesach for someone who is tameh would still be a valid korban. All right, that's a very interesting uh, uh, opinion. And lastly, we, uh, we, we're going to just explain the last part of the, the klal at the end of the Mishnah. He said, anything that you can do before Shabbat, you can violate, violate um, anything that you could have done before Shabbat, you have to do before Shabbat. You cannot violate Shabbat to do it on Shabbat, like bringing in, the, like carrying the Korban Pesach. That's how we follow the halacha. Um, okay, we have we said this regarding Brit Mila as well, where Rabbi Akiva says the same principle. I mean, it's like it's equivalent that regarding Brit Mila, anything you could have done before Shabbat, like preparing the knife, bringing it, making sure everything's there, um, you cannot do on Shabbat. But Brit Mila itself has to be on the eighth day. So that, that does violate Shabbat. And over there, in the name of Rav, also said, there. So this seems redundant. Why do you have to say that we follow halacha here and there? They're both the same principle. So we answer, I might say that Kovan Pesach, where it's not so significant. It doesn't say it doesn't say that the thirteen covenants regarding uh, regarding Korban Pesach. So I would say, okay, yeah, over there you can violate Shabbat. Uh, over there, over there, you cannot violate Shabbat. But regarding Brit Milah, where it says in the paragraph regarding Brit Milah, it says the word Berit thirteen times in Genesis seventeen. A significant number. So you see that this the whole kind of the whole basis of the berit is is dependent on on berit milah. So I might say berit milah is more important, and that's why it violates Shabbat. Interestingly, Shabbat is the other thing that is in fact called the ot berit. So I might say that it applies only to berit milah, but Pesach is not as important and wouldn't. That's why he had to say that halacha is like Rabbi Akiva even regarding Pesach. Or even regarding Brit Milah, that I might I might think that it does violate that even the preparations violate, 
for Brit Milah because it's so important? No, that's what I have to say regarding Pesach, regarding Brit Milah, that no, you cannot violate Shabbat even for the preparations. And the other way around, and the other way around, I might think that um, the preparations uh, for Brit Milah don't violate Shabbat because if uh, you neglect to do Brit Milah, there's no karet. But Pesach, we don't do Pesach and you can, then you get karet. So I might think that Pesach is more important than they would, you would, you can violate Shabbat for Machshire Misvah Pesach. And that's why I have to say regarding Pesach that it also doesn't. One last point, it's really strange that it says that there's no karet for Brit Milah. In fact, if someone doesn't do Brit Milah, they do get karet. Uh, so why does it say that you don't? Seems the reason is because there's no, they're, they're, it's not clear when the time limit is. Even if a person, let, let's say their, their, their father doesn't give them Brit Milah when they're young, when they're an adult, they have to do it. Okay, when do they have to do it? As soon as possible. Okay, so they didn't, they didn't do it when they're 20 and they do it when they're 30. They don't get karet as long as they do it at some point. So since it's not clear, you know, there's no clear end date by which you have to do it. Um, so the karet does not, does not really apply until I guess the end of their life. Where at Pesach, if you don't do it by the end of the end of the 14th, then you violate it. So the karet actually does apply with a given, uh, with, a, with a given time limit. And uh, that concludes the explanation of that Mishnah. Tomorrow we'll continue with the next Mishnah.